0: Okay, Shed, episode one, seven. Let's do this, guys and girls. Let's get rolling, okay? All right, so here we are. Hanging out, and we just felt, you know what? It's time for a K Shed Uncuffed episode. You know why? It's just one of those things where where you connect with people and uh, just kind of like let your inner emotions out, and then it's reciprocated um, in all different forms. You either get emails or phone calls, you get text messages from uh, your listeners saying, "Dude, keep it going, keep it going," and now all that feels good. You know, people often ask me. Where do you get your uh, subject matter uh, or or your topics from? And uh, a lot of a lot of time for me, uh, it just kind of uh, you know kind of comes to me. You know, my background played a little uh, NFL bo- football, uh, was a cop for a bit, and then now I'm into movie making and coaching. So a lot of the topics are going to be kind of derived from there. Uh, you know, you won't hear me do an episode about uh, the the you know Trump and all that type of stuff because I I definitely don't go there where it comes to play- politics and stuff like that. I've never played that game. Not going to start. And it's just not interesting uh, to me that you can talk about that political stuff all you want to, and it's still going to happen the way they want it to happen. So, you know, what's the point sometimes, you know? So, but for me, uh, I deal with like true, true uh, topics that are uh, a, a part of everyone's uh, normal everyday life, you know, um, the hardships, dealing with that. How do we make, uh, uh, you know, relationships with friends, of different races and uh, backgrounds, countries and all that stuff. How do we make all that better? You know, because I, I believe everybody out there should have an equal opportunity to pay the pay their own way to uh, uh, greatness and experiencing a life that's that they feel is what they what they want and what they deserve. So and they shouldn't have to deal with any type of unnecessary obstacles and stuff like that. So you know, I mean, I'm uh, I'm on the fence on this particular situation because right now the hot topic out here in the Bay area is the crisis that's going on with the Antioch Police Department out there. Um, it touches deep for me because me and my family, we used to live out in Antioch. So, uh, you know, we were there for a while, We had a pretty, pretty good uh, uh, years out there, a uh, nice house and kind of a nice neighborhood and all that stuff. Uh, you know, not very many different uh, police interactions and stuff, but you, would, you could see them floating around and all that stuff, you know. So, but me, obviously, being a, a retired police officer, it's sad kind of to see the situation that's that's uh, very public now. Uh, for all those who uh, haven't heard, and then the number might have gone up. I apologize if, if uh, you know, if it hasn't, if it has, and I just don't know the exact number. But uh, approximately 40 plus police officers are under investigation, m- with most of them being placed on uh, on leave for due to the investigation, and it's all related to a series of emails and text messages, I believe, that are uh, racially motivated and homophobic and all that type of stuff and I don't know to the full extent obviously it's an ongoing investigation so there's much more going on behind the scenes and uh and if that's what they're telling us right now uh you can bet that there's some some nasty nasty details that they haven't let out just yet that are going to be called for uh some some uh, concern and it's going to change some uh, police officers lives uh for the worse I am quite sure you know it's that for me uh, another level because uh I I worked with a couple of the police officers who who are uh, the Antioch officers who I believe are under suspension. And I don't know what their involvement was with the emails, you know, uh, but but I I do know them as people and I do know them as former co-workers as uh, when when they were with San Leandro Police and I have nothing but really good things to say about them. You know uh, the male officer in particular I work I know more about because I work for with him a lot more than the female officer and he was a bubbly personality very high energy he loved being out there on the streets and patrolling his beat and being in that cop car I can tell you that he always uh, rolled up on you to make sure that. You had anything uh, you needed backup-wise and all that stuff, uh, and he was uh, just an eager, eager, personality where he wanted to learn everything he could about learning the craft of being a police officer. So very, very respectful too. I had many good uh, our calls that we did together. That it was really kind of fun uh, just watching him, watching him at work and stuff. And so, and then the female officer I I met through just uh, passing and all that stuff. There was a few calls I did with her, but uh, I I didn't see anything that would cause any type of alarm it seemed to me like both officers just really wanted just to kind of get in and get do their own thing and you know hey you respect me I'll respect you uh don't don't uh you know mess with me I won't mess with you I mean that's just typical uh personalities that that I know of man that's that's what it's just that just goes without saying that's what most people want to have happen just hey you let me do my thing and I'll let you do your thing and hey uh I won't hate on you don't hate on me it seems simple enough but for whatever reason they felt like they weren't uh at the right fit at uh SLPD so they transferred over to Antioch and here we are years down the, down the road and they are being mentioned in a investigation that's that's uh, I think it's just the tip of the iceberg over there so you know and 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 it's it, it's sad with these particular two, um, I'm quite sure, well, actually, everybody who's involved with the, with the case, uh, you know, who are being investigated, they are currently being disinvolved by um, all their fellow uh cop people. I hope not all of them. I hope that there's some current Antioch police officers who are still doing whatever they can to kind of, like, reach out when they can, obviously, without uh, jeopardizing anything that has to do with the investigation. But these are real people with families and uh, loved ones and stuff, people that they have to provide for. And this is their livelihood. This is how they get make their money. This is where they make their, the you know, I mean, the pave the way for their kids to have good things uh, growing up. So trust me, when, when you get all that taken away from you and then all of a sudden you're out in the outside looking in, it's a harsh, harsh world. So, you know, I'm, I'm quite sure that many people who uh, were hanging out with them just a little bit ago cop wise have all like, hey, man, or they won't even say that. They'll just delete. Everything that has to do with that person, and act like they've never had anything to do with them. So that that I guess I, that makes sense to me. I'm not that way, you know. I mean, uh, back when I when I was uh, with the SLPD, and and I had a, a friend uh, get placed on leave, he would uh, he would respond to texts, "Hey, how are you doing?" and stuff. And obviously, he would go out of go out of his way to uh, redirect me if I asked any questions like that. I wasn't supposed to that he wasn't supposed to divulge any information on. Uh, But really, all it really was was just it felt good to kind of hear his voice, I guess, or um, uh, to kind of hear back from him, knowing that he's doing the best that he could. And I think that that was that that it worked both ways that that particular officer felt good with me checking on him as as well. And, you know, there's some there's cops of all kinds and stuff. There's ones who who would just wipe their hands clean. And say, shoot, I've never met that person before. I don't want that that ick sticking on me and um ah man i don't know i just don't roll like that i don't i don't like people who would do that i understand i guess that they got to preserve uh their own livelihood but just think about it man you know the day before that they were probably hanging out the next day this dude um or girl or whoever gets gets caught up in some type of incident where they get placed on leave no one knows exactly what's going on and then all of a sudden people don't want to have anything to do with them you know uh I've known the people who've got placed on leave and were on leave for years. And in the end, the investigation proved that they were uh, falsely accused or they did nothing wrong. And, you know, um, they're a better, stronger person uh, as a result. And then they're allowed to go back to work. but. All those friendships that they made prior to being placed on leave have been officially uh, broken, you know, and that's the part that I think is very sad. You know, um, people should think about that, you know, when before they before they move on with this stuff. I mean, you don't have to completely block a person off and all that stuff. And that's just me, though. Sometimes people accuse me of not having a heart and not having a conscience, but. In reality, I really, really, really do care about um, the people who um, are dear to me, and so obviously I wish the best for these two Antioch officers. Um, hopefully, they all the end up uh, being okay for them. You know, I can only go by how I kn- knew them. Now, if, if there's an email that came out that they said that they found out, you know what? Uh, one of these guys said that kitty shit guy. He's, <laughs> you know, I'm quite sure that's not the case, but uh, you know, you know where I'm going with that one. But you know, but that's just the way the world is nowadays you know I mean things have changed more than likely this episode is going to be called how did they not see that train coming you know so flip this flip the switch to later on as I started being a police officer and all that stuff uh you know I mean uh, one one of the main things that I uh took dear to heart was the fact that San Leandro took a chance on me you know when I first started out, it took me two years pretty much to find a home uh as a you know find a police department to uh hire me. I first started out with fremont uh almost made that, but then uh you know something kind of derailed me. That was my fault, anyway. But uh, then I tried with Hayward. Uh, I don't think the personality was was right. And then um, Oakland at the same time, uh, I think was the same thing. But then San Leandro came in the picture, and everything just clicked, and everything just fit. So um, I I held I held them on the same type of platform that I held that I still hold the Raiders because you become loyal to the place where they they you know they show nothing but for faith in you. And you they bring you on and um, you just you found your home it's it's a it's tough when you're in the process but then everything just seems to just write itself out when you finally find your home so when uh, you know San Leandro I started getting years on I started to kind of get a little bit of credibility and people were kind of knowing my style and knowing my personality uh, and I was doing some good things out there getting some good arrests and uh, making you know being very very proactive I was getting my my uh, stolen vehicle pin, which is a highly prestigious honor. And, you know, so people were kind of, you know, checking me out. And I had a little bit of uh, bravado about myself too. So, but at the same time, I'm a black officer. So... I could see where, wait a minute here, I'm I'm doing the same thing this person's doing, but this person is getting uh, a little bit more attention or they're getting these other assignments that I'm not getting what's going on here. So you start paying attention. And I just remember before I really, really started figuring out what was going on behind the scenes, uh, I would still kind of pull people aside, you know, uh, uh, you know, people with more seniority on me, who I kind of trusted, I'd say, what's going on here? And, um, you know, I mean, I put in for the FTO position and this particular sergeant told me, uh, I don't think you're ready. Uh, even though I've always heard you get five, you put five, six years in, that's when you start putting in for the fill training officer position. And that's when I started doing it. And he's like, ah, I, th- I need you to do more, uh, uh, get more exposure. Your name's not, uh, you know, high up there when it comes to like officers who are, are always into something and, and, and you know, would hide uh, stats and whatever you would call it and all that stuff. They're in the shift reports all the time and everything. And you just they're making these great, great arrests. That's what I need to see more of for you. If you're going to be a field train officer, you need to be able to be in that position. I'm just like, well, I have been doing all that stuff. I mean, did you not hear about the, the, the two burglary suspects I chased down last night? <laughs> I'm just like, well, what, you know, I mean, what are you paying attention to? Because I'm doing all that stuff. But they would They would just say, well, no, um, I'll keep you in mind the next time we bring in some FTOs and and then they'll just walk away. I'm like, okay. So I started asking some of the uh you know older officers you know and, and then this and i'll say this particular supervisor told me that i need to do more uh you know talking at some of the uh lineups and stuff like that uh what do you think th- about that i mean what's the some of the hot topics and this particular officer uh she was very like trying to hold back her 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 smirk and then she, and then she just she couldn't She's just just like oh my god you are so naive and it's like what do you mean she's like you just don't get it huh i was like no what are you talking about it's like the same people who are this is what she's The same people who are giving you that advice of what you should do are the same people who are blacklisting you behind closed doors. And I'm just like, what? I still didn't get it. Uh, And then so we were, that just kind of left me just my head in the clouds for a bit. And then I just started, what am I missing here? I think she was trying to tell me something, but I just don't know exactly what it was. You know, so I kind of looked more into it and stuff. I tried to kind of slow things down a little bit. And I knew this particular person was a genuine soul and they were, they had a liking towards me, but at the same time, they they had the ability to kind of like uh, fit in kind of all different categories at the police department. They weren't white, or, I mean, sorry, they weren't black, so they did not have to deal with that factor, but there were other factors that they had to deal with, but at the same time, I think she was considered what they would call a, at that time a good old boy. So this particular good old boy, who happened to be a girl, was trying to give me a hint as far as like, there's some unfairness going on, I can't quite get get too much into detail with it, but you're gonna have to start figuring this stuff out on your own. So anyway, I started uh kind of like uh, reassessing things and stuff uh, and then I started doing my own test to kind of figure out kind of like, what am I missing? So that same supervisor who would always pass me over for the field training stuff, started watching that particular person a little bit more closely. One time I did a call and it was a vandalism call. A girl had her uh, front window smashed open and I get to the call and she lets me know that it was her ex-boyfriend or ex-husband and all that stuff. I'm, I'm saying, oh, okay, uh, did you see him? No, I didn't see him, but I just know it was him. How do you know it was him? Because I, because I was, he said he was gonna come by and um, he's been threatening me and, you know, he's just being a jerk lately and stuff. And I can't, there was so much spec story that was all played in a factor. I think restri- she had a restraining order, all that stuff in place. Obviously that restricts him from breaking her window. But at the same time, that type of situation, if there's no witnesses, you, you basically take a statement and then you submit it to the district attorney's office and um, they make the determination if they're gonna issue a warrant or if they're gonna need more information or they'll do follow-up. They'll send notes back to the officer saying, we need more follow-up, uh, with more follow-up. You just know that that strengthens your case and then they'll end up more than likely issuing a warrant for that person's arrest. So in this particular case, there was none of that. So what I did was, is just I take my report and I do follow-up with him to kind of get a statement to see hey where were you this night and stuff and you know try to do a full investigation and then go from there so I, you know obviously he denied it and it was just one of those things where i did what i could and then i submitted it and then just we go from there so i find out that later on that that particular sergeant wasn't happy by me not making an actual arrest on this guy when i wouldn't make contact with him and it was one of those things where like well did she want to place charges against him she's so like yeah and then she see him do it? It's like no and so I put that in my report and that we had to kind of like uh, uh, see if there was uh, if he'd uh, admit to it or if there was other witnesses would come up with the uh, statements that would support me and him and there, I just didn't have that at that time but then apparently the next day that sergeant was so unhappy about that because she called and she complained or something like that felt that the officer which would be me didn't arrest this guy and I'm just like saying I can't arrest him because you did not see him do it but in and then that's what she told to that particular supervisor so they tried to jam me up on this whole thing but i hey look i know my stuff by that year that many years on you, you know your stuff you know when you can make an arrest and when you know you can't uh, you just know that type of stuff and but when you you also if you have a target on your back you also get jammed up from any sergeant doesn't matter where it comes from they all work together in a, like a, like this little uh clown outfit or whatever and it's just like whoever the supervisor is and the one they go, they're going after that particular supervisor, even though they're friends or whatever, will go out of their way to catch that same person doing something so they can write them up. It's really ridiculous stuff. But, so I found out the next day that that supervisor went to the daytime officer who worked my beat and said, I want you to go back out there and re-interview this uh, victim of this vandalism call. And he's just like, I read Shed's report and he says in there that she didn't, there's no witnesses, so uh, it's going to be submitted for complaint. And he's like, no, that's not how I believe it happened she said that she did see him and i'm and he's like okay well let primary officer kind of like handle the call and stuff if there's follow-up needed there'll be follow-up needed he's like no i'm ordering you to go out there and get a new statement from the freaking victim and obviously had no choice at that point if you're getting ordered by your supervisor to go recontact the victim you go recontact the victim and then in this particular case that same officer came up with the same statement that i had which was that she didn't see him and so there was no true suspect information, witness statements that would lock him on the scene. So it went back to, we got to do the report, submit it to the district attorney's office. And if they feel like there's enough probable cause evidence, then they issue a warrant. And then they go from there. And then we go make an arrest. So thankfully, that worked out in my favor on that one. But then I was able to start seeing, holy crap, I've been like really naive. And I agreed with that officer who first told me that. I'm like, holy crap, I'm buddying, buddying up with these people who are out there to try to cut my throat and then that was the worst thing that, that could have happened because one thing about me is that as soon as it's, it's confirmed that I got somebody who's going after me for whatever reason then it's on and then I start playing my own game so it was, it was like one of those things like say uh back in, in World War II how uh the the English uh fighter planes would always know that when the Germans were coming because they had radar and the Germans didn't have a chance because they already knew the I mean the British people already knew when they were coming, how many were coming and which way they were going to be coming from. So that's what I was doing. I was able to know what this super supervisor, what he was really, really up to. And so I was able to slide out of the way and then kind of to avert getting written up for uh, frivolous stuff, which is part of the, the system that comes with with that type of thing. So it goes back to my whole thing it was like, how do they not see this type of stuff coming? Well, it's because you know, if you don't have any type of like uh, hardships or opportunities obstacles that you had to face growing up or you know and your your friends never had any type of the uh, the same thing or any type of hardships or anything like that you know basically the the white guys the white office just never had to deal with any of that type of stuff cuz they 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 really don't and why would they care about others who might be minorities and stuff who don't really have all the the advantages that some of the others do to be able to push forward and do their job and and work hard and and just kind of like wait their time and stuff and then you know to, to and then they ended up not getting the position that they were just as equally qualified for as this other officer who happened to be white so then you once you start seeing that then you can kind of like start seeing how it's it's not hidden it's right there in front of you you know um, um i can't call it anything in particular all you would see is just a group of like uh white guys who all kind of had the same type of uh interest and stuff and they would uh they would train together they would uh, all get on the same shifts together. Um, like, say, if there, if there was a high-priority call... Um, they would kind of, you know, they were all SWAT trained stuff. So they would all kind of like pony up together. And, um, and then they all looked the same and it was really weird. You start saying, "It's like, well, how come there's no, at that time, how come there's no black officers? How come there's no female officers? How come there's no brown skin officers? How come there's no, you know, kind of heavier set officers? How come there's no kind of like nerdy officers? How come there's no kind of like, uh, officers who aren't as l- loud talking as or cocky as some of the other ones who are on that unit and then it was kind of like wow and I'm not trying to say that's how it is at San Leandro now obviously I haven't been there in a long time so I'm sure a lot has changed but all I'm saying is this is what I saw when my eyes were finally open uh this is what I saw at my police department and it's it was very very concerning because you would hear grumblings from the other minorities and then you start seeing stuff like a lot of the minorities were leaving they were transferring. One particular case, one person, trans- one officer transferred from uh, Pittsburgh or Richmond and then stayed with San Leandro for about a year and wasn't getting anything. It was the same type of, you know, experience for him. And then he said, ah, get this. And he transferred back to Richmond. And I was just like, how does that happen? How does a department let that happen? And, but it's all easily uh, explainable. You look around and you have a main cog of uh, officers who are kind of running the show and their executive officers, their supervisors, watch commanders, chiefs and stuff like that, they're the ones controlling everything. And if you have no type of uh, interest at all in anybody else's like uh, hardships and you're having fun with your group, why would you take a moment to you know sit down with the others and make sure people are being treated fairly well, that the question is very simple. Why would you? I, I don't know why you would, but one hundred percent you should. Especially if you're the chief of the police department, you it's it's like you're the um, general of the army. You need to make sure that everybody in your unit has what they need. They're properly equipped. They're properly provided for. Their mental capacities are sharp and well trained. They're ready. They're they they got food in their stomach. They're everything. They're they're comfortable. They got the best boots they got the best equipment best tanks all that stuff you're the general if you see any type of like uh a, like a, there's a squad over here where they're just you know uh, they're off to themselves and stuff or they're sitting in the rain while others got these tents and stuff with the canopies on it and they're and they're playing cards and you got this other squad over here who are you know trying to huddle up on each other to keep warm because it's cold out and they're getting the rained on wouldn't you look into that situation and you go over there and you sit down with them and say hey guys girls what's going on well sir we're not feeling like we're being uh, included in the group and then if you're the general of that freaking army wouldn't you fix that stuff asap because you need as many as your soldiers to be in fine prime condition on all levels um and any type of uh, weaknesses is going to compromise your overall uh, abilities to accomplish your goals which is to go out there and press for peace and um what i'm talking about is like uh in In war type scenarios, you know, you're going out there to squash the enemy. And so as a police department, if you're going up against uh, felons and bad people and harassers and uh, people who are against peace, it's your job to fix that. So and it doesn't matter about anything else as far as like your, your personal preference of who you want to be around. You're the leader of that department so it's your job to make sure everybody has what they need so you know and I'm going by firsthand experience so uh, there was a time when I saw a, su- a supervisor go from being a supervisor to being a lieutenant and then going to being a captain and then just rising up the ranks like like a champ and it was one of the most beautiful things in my utmost opinion to, to watch because that person had such a very just a well rounded demeanor about himself that he carried himself very very well he had Pride in his uh, department had this awesome uh, ability to crack jokes and be funny and all that stuff. I saw him as a regular patrol officer as well. He uh, he took on his assignments with great uh, zeal, and he uh, he was a perfectionist in all the sense of the word. But he never made it uncomfortable to be around them when he was on calls and stuff like that. He made it just enjoy just as enjoyable as any other call or any other officer. So he was fun to be around and fun to watch him rise up the ranks and stuff like that. So, and I and um, he was actually one of the first ones who helped me get some of my first assignments as I was making my way uh, up, uh, you know, years on at the police department as well. So I had a lot of respect for this person. So when he, they became the chief of our police department, it would be my number one goal, my personal number one goal, <laughs> to make sure that he was protected because he didn't play any of these backhanded games to get his position. He earned it every step of the way, very much so and stuff. So when he finally became head man, uh, I mean, man, this is going to be great. This is exactly what our department needs. So, you know, me, I, I didn't think of myself as anything other than one of his uh, officers. So, I mean, whatever he needed, I was going to provide for him. So, you know, but what ended up happening is that the people around him, some of those commanders and all that stuff who kind of look like him and maybe might think differently, they don't really they don't really have much uh, uh, or empathy for the, anybody who's a minority or anything like that. They they don't care about uh, that stuff. All they're going to be worrying about is their own group of uh, good old boys. And then so they're going to tell this chief all these things are fine. There's no we have no problems around here. Everybody's happy. The uh, morale is nice. Just look at uh Jimbo over there, man. Uh Jimbo's doing great. How about uh uh Dominic? Uh Dominic's doing great. How about uh you know Randy? Uh Randy's doing great. Uh man, everybody's just doing great. All right, so everything's great. Yeah, everything's great. All right. I love it. It's going great but he forgot to talk about like hey what about a uh, uh, S- uh samantha over there or what about a uh, you know uh, uh one of the black officers and stuff like that over here you know they don't ever mention that so this particular chief had no clue that that the morale wasn't good the morale was really bad people are leaving they're transferring they're uh drawn back into a shell and uh and that's and other people are seeing it. So once I started seeing that, you know, what I tried to do, and it goes back to me, Loving my police department, what I tried to do was, you know, I mean, I can't, I can't go up to any any of the white guys and say, hey, you guys got to start including us. You can't do that. That doesn't work. That's the, that's just no way in the world that has a 0% success rate. But what you can do, like it goes back to, you know, me, I was starting to get a little bit of pool and all that stuff. What I tried to do was set up these, what I called was support group. And these support groups consisted of between six to 10 uh, officers. And it was always going to be Uh, An equal amount of uh, guys, equal amount of girls mixing Uh, the black officers with, uh, you know, as many white officers put, uh, you know, other races in there as well. And then we meet just outside of the department. We sit down and we just, just get to know each other and just talk and bond and all that stuff. And there's no stress. There's no real hidden agenda. All it really is, is just open, open forums with these groups. And you always had to have one who would be considered a good old boy. You always had to have one of those guys in there because how I looked at it is like, if they can just hear, the other side of the story maybe they can go to Archie and let them know hey look ah coach, I, or I'm sorry, uh, chief, I didn't know that, but there's actually some, uh, another group or factions of our our department that aren't happy. And uh, for us to strive and for us to continue to excel towards our goal of providing a a well-rounded and safe and prosperous uh, city, the comfort level for our city, we might have to start looking into how do we include them? What do we do? Uh, How do we address these needs? I would always push for these groups to happen and Sure enough, after the first meeting, you would get these, the nasty feedback from these white officers who just, they were just like, you know what, I wasn't really all that interested into that meeting. I I didn't really, really know what your goal was, Kenny. I just, I didn't feel it to me it just seemed like it was like I was being attacked. I mean, I mean, the first thing out of whoever's mouth was said something about me being a racist and I'm not a racist and stuff like that. I'm like, I don't think that they were saying you're a racist. They were just saying that, uh, and they were providing their own personal experiences. Just if you listen to what they were trying to say, they were trying to open everybody's eyes. You know, each person was going to get a chance to talk. We just didn't get a chance to get to you. Um, and if you had any type of stories that you wanted to share, please. So, other people can listen and learn from and all that stuff that's all it was was just it was uh it was education for a group of police officers who might not be exposed to all the different things that are going on at at the police department because they're all kind of caught up in their own like worlds they had their own families and then then they would come with that they would say so all i really have time for is my family i don't have time for these extra you know uh, groups that that like this and stuff uh, it just yeah and then they'd bow out and then the next person would bow out and then the whole thing would fizzle all right so that didn't work all right so i think about it i like a chemist um that formula didn't work. What do I need to do? Okay. All right, add a white supervisor. And then that white supervisor will kind of like help kind of dictate the, the tone of this group and kind of, you know, but this has gotta be a white supervisor who's well-rounded themselves and very humble and stuff. Kind of one foot, good old boy, the other foot, kind of like, hey, uh, I'm all about everybody, you know, and but and that's what we needed. So I tried again. We'd work together, we'd set up a meeting, and it was just just kind of like always something, you know, one minute that a white officer a white male officer would say, oh, dude, that's such a great idea. Kenny, this is going to be great. You know, I need something to be able to kind of vent and get some stuff off my chest anyway. So being around friends and stuff like that, maybe go meet at a beer, have a couple, or meet at a bar, have a couple beers, stuff like that. That's so legit, man. Thank you for setting something like that up. That's what they'd say when it was just me and that person. All of a sudden, then other people would be involved or other people who were white officers would hear. About this, and then it's like you. All of a sudden, they say you're doing what? And then, then you get a message. So, um, something came up. Uh, you know, we're getting way too many leaves on our on our ground uh, on our lawn outside. So, uh, I need to make sure that that I'm I'm counting the the green ones. Um, we we want more green ones instead of uh, uh purple ones and stuff like that. So, I'm gonna have to skip this meeting tonight. <laughs> so then. They dip and then um, the whole thing will fall apart because we need that person. It's like you you find the alphas wherever you go. You find the alphas and then you reach out, you communicate, you you secure the alphas. And once the alphas get there, the other ones follow suit. Oh, They always do. You know, it's just just I wish the alphas at our police department were a little bit stronger in their backbone than the ones we have or the ones we had when I was there you know, because it would have made a huge, huge difference overall, because what ended up happening is that that chief who I just got them telling you about, who I adored, uh, ended up getting railroaded because before he knew it, he's getting blowback from the city. Um, they're not happy with some of the um, cases and calls and stuff and some of the investigations that have been happening. Some of the, you know, cases that involve some of our officers were, were being reevaluated uh, reevaluated and stuff and um you know our chief bless his heart will go out of his way to uh, defend the officers because he's impression is, hey everything's fine here well, you guys are just coming after us unjustifiably when in reality maybe he should have been a little bit more engaging okay let me sit down with you how do we make it work what is it that you guys need and that the group on the other side more, i would assume mostly consisted of uh others from other races and other genders and all that stuff and who knows maybe that's all they needed but to to immediately bow up and say my officers are are uh widely respected and they are pretty much perfect and they make no mistakes that's not them uh they did what they were trained to do type stuff and push back that way i don't know i don't know if that was the right course you know and so what ended up happening is that uh Unfortunately, it didn't work out for him uh, in long term. He should have been there still. And as soon as that happened, it, in my opinion, it was just a, a floodgate of just just ills that are coming into your police department. And then with no direction, things starts uh, like a downward spiral. And then now everybody's all, everybody's all against each other now and all that stuff. And then, um, you know, that's what I'm trying to tell you. Look, we've been trying to tell you that train is coming. Uh, you go running, and the, you know you see a group of uh, officers standing on tracks. Hey, there's a train coming! Get out of here, Kenny! You bother me? No, no, sir. Seriously, there's a train coming. I I, I saw it. It's on the other side will you guys get this dude out of here? We're trying to talk, trying to have our conversation and stuff like that. He, he doesn't fit. Let's get him out of here. The reason why I can say that is because there were several times that I remember uh, as a detective being up being upstairs in our detective offices and stuff like that, where, where while this chief was still there, his personalities kind of started changing a little bit. Instead of being warm and friendly to, you know, people who looked like me, uh, it was weird. It just seemed like there was more of an like a preference to be around people who look more like him and call it maybe they were just his best friends or friends that, that he grew up with I get that part but still you're the you're the chief you're the general you're the general of the army you don't have the right or ability to pick and choose which people you hang out with but there'd be so many different times where our uh, bullpen area of, of detectives would be full of of, of activity whether it's uh, some of the patrol officers coming up coming upstairs and hanging out and all that stuff or the detectives that they're at their desks and stuff we had a mix of uh, different colors of people and um a couple of f- female detectives and stuff up there as well and you know and though so you know our chief would walk around and he would uh, do his rounds he'd start downstairs or whatever uh, patrol division and move around and then say hi and all that stuff and, but you know and at one point like i said he was very friendly he'd always talk to everybody but then later on in um his career as a, as a chief things started changing he would come up there and now he had this look like hmm it was he was more quiet had that weary look and then without any words much many words being said all of a sudden he would go in one of the back offices with the the couple of the other white detectives and then you know some of the other white patrol officers would come upstairs and then now they walk past all of us and then they go into that office and they then the couple of the other white detectives who were just sitting at their desks a minute ago now they get up and they all go walk into that office and then and they closed the door. And I just remember sitting there like and then all the place was like deadly quiet. There's not, you know, you don't can't hear anything coming from inside that room where where all those guys are. And then you look around like, wait a minute. Now it's just me. It's the other black detective. And then there's there's this female Hispanic detective. And we're the only ones left inside that bullpen now. Everybody else is inside that office in that closed door. And who knows what they're talking about? After a while you can hear like like, joking around and laughing and stuff and everything, and it's just, it was just a heartbreaking feeling to see that and be a part, to experience that, because why weren't we good enough to be inside that office? Were we not funny enough? Were we not cool enough? I have no clue, shit, I played in an NFL, man, I mean, uh, shoot, I mean, d- d- that right there, hell, wait. So why was I in that office? You know, I mean, uh, I guess I don't know why. It was very damaging to your to your confidence and your psyche uh, when that would happen. And again, especially it was it was it was compounded by the fact that you would try to. Um, put these groups together to, to, to build more camaraderie with the uh, the, uh, the different races or the different status of uh, groups inside the department to, so we can start blending everything because you could just see what was building outside. You can hear the public's outcries. You can see, you know, people when you're driving around, they're not happy with the the police department. They're You know, it's just there was something building right there that if this is not addressed, there was uh, barbershop forms being, you know, taking place almost every week weekend at some of the barbershops downtown San Leandro, and people would come from all over the Oakland area. There would be police officers who would be involved. They would sit down with some of the black community members. And and then so those things were trying to take off. That was the perfect time for us to reciprocate our own support group and make it official and start making it a requirement, actually, that our police department has their own uh, critical thinking group like that where we would go out and we would have our own open forums and stuff and it was uh, a mixture of all races with all different backgrounds and, and experience levels and stuff like that and the 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 main objective was to go out there and kind of quell some of the uh, apprehension that was building between the the community and the police departments and stuff like that so but none of that happened and that was one of the most helpless feelings and most frustrating feelings is that you could say to your blue in the face that you know hey are you you sure that uh that you're not seeing the type of like uh favoritism that's going on around here and then you're trying to talk to people who might be have some influence and they would all just oh it has nothing to do with that it's it's these guys are really out there they're making good cases they're making gun arrests they're making this and that and that's why they're getting all the different accolades and stuff and that's why they're uh, being uh, pushed to be the next supervisor and stuff like but what about her she she i've been working with her for eight plus years and she has done everything on a highly large level and very she shown nothing but dedication her experience level she's been breaking some serious serious cases um you know with where girls have been raped and um she's found the suspects all with like this ingenious investigation you read the report and there was like so many different things that like a typical uh, average cop would not think of this female officer did something that was like magical on that particular on that particular case right there and it took something where there was little to no suspect information no witnesses and she was able to crack this case and brought a suspect into into custody and she was doing that since my since the very beginning she might not have been the most She had the type of personality that was, she was a straight shooter and she just didn't uh, F around. Uh, she didn't play games and all that stuff and everything. And I think that rubbed a lot of people the wrong way or, or something, but I, I thought, again, I connected with her. I understood what she was trying to do, which was, again, you don't mess with me. I won't mess with you. Let me go off and do my job. I'm highly experienced. I'm well, very well trained. I've been doing this for a while. I have all the personality traits that, uh, that makes uh, me a very, very qualified police officer and i i have desires to be one of your next supervisors but for whatever reason that did not happen because the others on the other side of the uh, walls did not uh, agree with that type of assessment about her so they they she was prevented from being a supervisor so again that right there is all that was needed to be able to kind of like even the waters at that department. There's not these uh, separation um, barriers and all that stuff and you know, that's that's part of the thing because San Leandro, in my opinion, had a chance to be able to evaluate all those different situations. If some people are being treated unfairly, or some people are making comments that are off-cuffed or definitely not right, even if it seems innocent at all, I mean, the you know, it doesn't have to just be police brutality that you're trying to eliminate. I mean, harass harassing type behavior is something that's very very damaging to a police department. That's almost like AKA bullying. And if the the majority of police officer at your police department are white you almost are dependent on those guys or white male officers actually you're you're, you're actually almost dependent on those guys to be able to to see this and put it an into it and fix it uh, it just seems almost automatic like a no-brainer that that's what they would want that because um that's only real way that's gonna be able to. They're the police department it, out of harm's way because if they're not changing and they're not reforming the way the world's changing and um, switching up and everything, then then the the ability to kind of your survival rate as a police department is just not gonna be very easy to maintain. So I don't know. I again I. I'm not there. I haven't been there in a couple of years, but I do know that 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 uh, the police department has gone through some changing, and uh, hopefully they'll find whatever it is to, that that needs to be done. But I can tell you that until police officers or certain police officers know and realize that you can't treat people differently, so. You know, I don't know what what else to say other other than that uh, I'm happy that I that I had the experience, but at the same time it was it was something that that uh, caused a lot of harm to my uh, my faith in some of the relationships that I made over the years. You know, I mean um, the police officers are, are one of the most uh, important and critical uh, careers to have out there because if, if people follow the leads of people who are protecting their cities, and there's a lot of uh, responsibility that comes with that. So you know it's it's a learning process hopefully that that the sign of what's going on in Antioch is not the uh, indication of what's going to, what's going to be coming down the road with some of the other uh, police departments because what the people who are affected are the ones who haven't done anything and they just go to their job and they treat everybody with the utmost respect and all that stuff and now the people in those type of people in Antioch are are being squeezed right now because of uh, what the 40 plus officers put Themselves in a position to have happen, and now that compromises the complete makeup of their apartment as a whole. So. Man, b- before you take that that pledge, you have to be able to look yourself in the mirror and saying, I don't care what I have to do. I'm going to make sure that that I have a whole high sense of integrity where it doesn't matter what you look like, white, black, brown, anything. You're a brother to me, you're a sister to me, and I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to leave you guys with this story. And I, I learned now that I think about it, I go back to my academy days. And I, there was an assignment that our teacher once had that was to split off into different Your different groups. So, all the white males were over here in the corner, all the white females were over here. All the black females or Mexican females, all that, they were together. And then all the black males were together. And then all the, it just went down the line. And that was the, that that was, those were the uh, categories that they wanted to split it up in. So the assignment was to discuss amongst your same race and color and gender was to discuss prior incidences uh, where you experience whatever situation with some of the other races and genders that are encompassed inside the room and that you're going to come in contact with outside in the, on the street. What ended up happening was there was a white male officer who, once we went on break, because, let me go backwards. Once that assignment started, uh, you know, we were all given a time time frame to start going over stuff and everything. You could look over there at the white the white male officers and they were laughing, cracking jokes, and you couldn't hear what they were saying, but they were high-fiving each other and they were just like hooting and hollering. And it was just like, wow, those guys have fun over there. And then everybody else was kind of like, man, this is kind of a tough assignment, man. I don't, Yeah. I, I don't have any hate in me or I don't, I don't know. I don't know. How, what have you experienced? And it was just kind of like sometimes for some people it was eye opening and it was kind of like uh, changed some of the way they looked at things. I would think just from one of the reactions, because a lot of people, you look around the room and they had this look of concern and like, like some look bewildered and everything, but it goes back over there. Then the, the group of white guys, though, so they were still hooting and hollering. And just having a blast. So uh, when break came, one of the white uh, male officers, you know me, you know I'm not gonna say that person's name. So, but really good friend of mine, we we meet, each, we run into each other in the hall, and that person looks sick to their stomach. They're they look faint. They're walking slow, and they have to stop and hold themselves up on the wall for a minute, and then just say whoa. So I ran over there and I called him. It's like you okay? You know, help him into the bathroom, he started splashing some water on his face and stuff. I'm like, dude, what's going on? He's like, Oh my god, I I can't even believe the stuff I just heard in that in that group I was in. I was like, what, what are you talking about? And he was just like, I'm in shock. And he was really in shock. What he was able to tell me, he couldn't tell me too much about it, but he, but whatever, what I was able to gather was that there was some excitement. There was a little bit of excitement level that came with that group. And it was about kind of like, you know, being able to kind of put people in their place. I'll just leave it at that. And I'll let your guys' mind kind of go from there, you know, Uh, What was your experience, man? I mean, have you ever um, come across a black guy being called a nigger or anything like that? Uh, You know, I mean, what did you do, uh, Steve? Uh, Well, when I heard that, I went over there to that to that guy and I said, Biff, you don't call that guy. You know, there was none of that. which was the whole objective of the assignment was for people to hear stuff and say, hey, look, even even the white guy should have some type of empathy for the people they're going to be uh, protecting. And if they come across something that just doesn't seem right. Guess what you should do? You should step on in and say, that's not right. I don't want to be a part of it. And if I see or hear that again, I will be reporting you. And if it happens again, then you know what you got to do. So um, until that happens, unfortunately, we're going to be seeing a lot more Antioch PD crises happening around us. And people should be worried. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. People should be worried because without police protection, the bad guys will win. And obviously we can't let that happen. So if you're still in the police departments and you have any type of pool, do everybody around you a favor and look into support groups that are made up of everybody from all kinds of different backgrounds, um, all different genders, all different styles, and give everybody an uh, open form, an open chance to be able to tell their story. And in the end, come up with some type of plan to be able to take everything you learn from that discussion and put it into action when you get into that police car again. And anybody you hear talking disparagingly about anybody race-wise or anything like that, you know what you're supposed to be doing at that moment. And you know what? The world would be a much better place as soon as that happens. And we're going to leave it right there. K-shed out.